pulling my mic a little bit closer. Good idea. And pulling up my notes. I thought you were going to say my nose. I was like, pulling up your nose? I got to pull up my nose for this, Deanna. Are you a good witch or a bad bitch? Bad bitch, bad bitch. I've been a rebel all my life. We will not remain hidden figures. We have names. Oh, if this naughty to ruse your list, take your shoulders, take your hips, and let a lady confess I want to be best. I didn't kid you, did I? Well, now you know. Well, we are, even though you're listening to us on a Thursday, we are still good witches, bad bitches. Yes, we are. We are Hannah and Deanna. That's Hannah. I'm Deanna. Mm-hmm. And we're your hosts through this non-scholarly journey where two women just want to tell each other about women through history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it is Asian American Pacific Islander Month. Yes, it is. And so we've and got it's episode some... one hundred, and it's episode one hundred. Can you which fucking is very believe exciting. it? I cannot believe it. I I am confused. <laughs> How did we do but that? I think it's great. I mean, it's it's kind of interesting that we set out to do this sort of in the aftermath of the election, and you know everything being awful and not not fun anymore right and uh and everything has i don't know just the journey that our country has gone through this crazy pandemic like now we're coming up on another election and you know we're still here we're still doing this but i have learned so much i feel like my understanding of of the topic of women um is or women folk. You know, forever changed. Yeah, like, exactly. I mean, I think I'm I'm a different person almost as a result just because of the things I know now. And yeah, I don't true. know. I have a I have a such a different understanding of of just history. Yeah. And um, yeah. So cheers to 100 episodes of a podcast that has helped me grow and learn. That was a clink Clink. with my sparkling water can. (laughs) I love it. Um, I don't have any intros because, you know, quarantine. I I feel like quarantine is not like, I don't know. The only real news worth talking about, like the big headline news is all depressing. And yeah, I don't know. It's all it's better to I feel like quarantine is a no intro zone, basically. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like we could talk about the the giant Asian hornets that they found in the murder Washington, hornets? but I don't want to talk about that either. So, you know, what is gonna, happening? <laughs> we're just going to leave it and we're going to dive into um, a very cool person who I I had never heard of, but maybe that's because I don't know much about this realm. So you may have heard of her. Because I think you know some, I think you like watching the Olympics. Yes. You like the Olympics, right? You like, mm-hmm. you like that stuff. I so do. I've I, just was, never... I was born during the Olympics. Were you really? Mm-hmm. I think it was the end of the 88 Summer Olympics. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Well, shit. They were so, on the, yeah. the hospital TV, my mom said. So tell me if you recognize the name Victoria Manalo Draves. I don't. All right. So I got my information primarily from um, 
two really great articles, one on NBCNews.com, um, written by Shang Peng, and one from New York Times, written by Frank Litsky. And then, you know, Wikipedia and Britannica.com helped provide some details here and there. But um, for the most part, that's where that's where I was sourcing from. Nice. Um, All good so, sources. Yeah. So Victoria Taylor Manalo Draves was born December 31st, 1924 in San Francisco and grew up there one of three sisters, including her non-identical twin, uh, which was a brother who died before she was born. Her father had immigrated from the Philippines, her mother from England. Okay. I wanted to be a ballet dancer, she said in an interview published by the Amateur Athletes Foundation in Los Angeles. We were a very poor family, and there was no opportunity to extend on those desires. She said uh, she did not learn to swim until she was nine or ten. I was really afraid of the water, she said. Did but she once become she, an Olympic swimmer? <laughs> once she learned how to swim, there was no going back. Oh, my God. So Victoria Draves was an American competition diver who won gold medals in both platform and springboard diving in the 1948 Summer Olympics. She became the first woman to be awarded gold medals for both the 10-meter platform and the 3-meter springboard. Oh. So she made history in the Olympics when she finally went. Um, But, you know, when she was a kid, she was, like, afraid of water. So it's kind of of cool to see how that how that progressed for her but yeah um her son david draves was interviewed for this article for nbc and he said when she was young her mother would say to her and her two sisters you guys look down at the ground don't look up they always had to walk and keep their heads down because they were daughters of um a, a interracial marriage yeah i was gonna and say so, yeah so they were they just like they didn't get to do the same shit that other kids got to do. And they sort of existed in both worlds, therefore neither. Yeah. Especially but they still at that experienced, time. I mean, it still yeah. happens today, but. Right. But they experienced a lot of prejudice. Um, as a young swimmer, she suffered the indignity of using a public pool one day and watching them drain the water from the pool after she used the pool for kids the next day. So basically she would what? she and her sisters would go to the pool, use the pool, and then they would drain the pool after the girls left. That's cool. Because, that makes you feel really good about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. Awful. Jesus Christ. Her son said, that really hurt my mom. She would actually go no. to the pool and compete. Yeah. After she got done with the meat and they would empty the water out of the pool. Um, As she told the San Francisco Chronicle in 2005, the club's coach, Phil Patterson, told her that because of her Filipino name, she could not join the club. My God. Instead, she said, he, quote, formed a special club just for me, the Patterson School of Swimming and Diving. But I think he was just a prejudiced man. It wasn't special for me. It was his way of separating me from the other kids. Yeah, separate but equal doesn't mean you get special treatment. It means you get he worse liked, treatment. Yeah. <laughs> he tried to sell it to her as like, well, you're not like the other kids, but it's okay. This is your special, your, fuck you, you know, special fuck pool. That. Yeah. Awful. Um, he also told her that she could not compete uh, 
unless she changed her name to Taylor, which was her mother's maiden name. Mm. And so that she could start competing, she reluctantly agreed to do it. She was Vicky Taylor. Um, I mean, makes sense. I don't fault her for yeah. that. Yeah. She says, I don't know how my dad felt because he just never said anything. And that just breaks my heart because he clearly knew yeah. that, it, that, that if she wanted to compete in, in diving the way she started to at that time, that she was going to have to do uncomfortable shit that prejudiced people made her do in order, to, in order for it to happen. And it's, it sucks. <laughs> um, but uh, but I so I love this NBC article by Shang Shang Peng because it's titled "The Golden Friendship Between the Two First Asian American Olympic Champions," and um, the reason I love it is because they talk about another another fellow Asian American diver, Sammy Lee, who was apparently like his friendship was really pivotal for her career for both of their careers, mm-hmm. and so I kind of wanted to. Um, talk about them a little bit he wrote at the 1944 amateur athletic union championships lee 24 saw manalo 20 dive for the first time and immediately befriended her Mm. he also introduced manalo to her future diving coach and future husband lyle draves Mm -hmm. sammy talked to her about making a change in coaches her son said he felt that the coach she had at that time was not going to take her uh, as far as her potential, and he was right. And I don't know if her coach was this fucking Patterson guy. Um, I don't think it was, but I, I couldn't find mention of who the coach was. Okay. It was also Lyle Draves, the new coach, who put his foot down on which name that she would compete with. Yeah. Her, her son recalled... Um, that her dad sa- his dad said, I don't give a shit. You're Vicky Manalo, and that's what you're going to go by. That's ridiculous that anyone would want her to go by anything else. Mm. So at his insistence, she went by her, by her name, Vicky Manalo. Good for her. Uh, yeah. I, and good for him, too, for being, because this is the 40s, you know? It's like, that isn't, it's just not something people really gave a shit about. And I mean, the thing is, racists are going to racist. And mm-hmm. obviously in the 40s, there was a lot of anti-Japanese sentiment, as we've talked about extensively on this podcast. And they yep. go, Asian, fuck you. It's like, but I'm Filipina. Right. <laughs> yeah. Who cares? <laughs> uh, it's yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy that like. But, you know, that's obviously Manalo is not. A Japanese name, but right again, it's different. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, so he was very supportive of her, and in 1946, she won her first U.S. outdoor highboard diving championship. Uh, and she married her coach Lyle Draves in the same year. <laughs> the two. So I saw two different articles said something slightly different, but this one says that Sammy Lee was the best man. Another article says that Sammy Lee gave her away, which I don't think makes sense because I couldn't find information about her father passing. So I'm not sure what the what the correct which one is correct. But Sammy Lee was there, and he was a you know 
he was a big part of their wedding. Mm. Um, she retained the high board championship in 1947 and 48. And in 1948, she went to the Olympic Games in London and made history. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about what the 48 games looked like for a second. Please. So, yeah. So this, I took this from Britannica, but they wrote, despite limited preparation time and after much debate over the need for a sports festival at a time when many countries were still recovering from the destruction of World War II, the 1948 Olympics ultimately were very popular and were perceived as providing relief from the strains caused by the war. Germany and Japan, the defeated powers, were not invited to participate. The Soviet Union also did not participate, but the games were the first to be attended by communist countries, including Hungary, Yugoslavia, and Poland. The London Games lacked the new facilities that had been used in Los Angeles and Berlin, but the British capital's sports facilities had survived the war in good condition and were adequate for Olympic competition. (laughs) They're all right. they're all right. They're usable. Um, Wembley I mean, Stadium. Yeah, London got the shit bombed out of it. Right. So <laughs> it's like there's and they don't have they didn't have money to just build all these new facilities and arenas like right. the way we do these days. They didn't have that because they were still rebuilding their own shit. Yeah. But uh, Wembley Stadium hosted the opening ceremonies, the track and field competition and other events. There was no Olympic Village. The male athletes were housed at an empty army camp in Uxbridge. I don't know if that's right. Uxbridge? Yeah. Good job. While the, well, thank you. While the women stayed in dormitories at Southlands College. Um, her son said, one of the greatest moments she felt was walking in the opening and closing ceremonies, just walking in with all the other athletes. In her first competition there on the three-meter springboard, Draves trailed Zoe Ann Olsen, a teammate from home, going into her last dive, a back one-and-a-half somersault. As Draves told Margaret Costa in the oral history interview, which seems to be something they do after after the Olympics, but I couldn't, um, for whatever reason, that link wasn't working for me, but the oral history interview seems to be Olympics-related. Um... But so as she told uh, Dr. Margaret Costa, I was so nervous that I would shake before every dive. I mean, Um, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Understandable. Of course. (laughs) I can't even imagine. I just can't. But I also hate diving. Like diving is one of the most terrifying things to me. Have you ever gone off of a high diving board? Not like that. I mean, I have dived off a diving board, but that was... A very long time ago, and it's always definitely been not one of something... my childhood dreams to dive off a high board. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. I don't even know if I could Ugh. do it today. But when I was a kid, I loved swimming. <sighs> I'm not like a swimmer, swimmer, but I always would love being in pools. I just, I, I have never, never been a water person. Yeah, I remember when it's, my dad first so taught scary. me how to dive into a pool. Hmm. Yeah. He, oh, he taught me mo- pretty much all my swimming stuff. We'd go to water parks and things. And Anyway, we're getting off track. No, but that's really sweet. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's the kind of that's the kind of thing that gets people like Vicky into water sports is the sort of nostalgia you feel thinking yeah. about, well, when I was a kid, like I would go to the pool and I would hang out with my sisters and we would go swimming. And, yeah. you know, it just I have very it, strong memories of being taught to swim by my parents. 
yeah. and how much fun I had. I think that's very relevant personally. But, Thank you. You know, yeah. So, um, Draves at five feet one, apparently. Teeny. Tiny. She's a tiny little person. Won that gold medal, then another off the 10-meter platform, her stronger event. She and Sammy Lee, the men's platform winner and a Korean-American, of who we know about, became the first divers of Asian descent to win Olympic gold medals. So they won. They both won gold medals that same year. Wow. Which I think is so sweet. Like, they were best friends. He was in her wedding, and then they went to the Olympics together and got gold medals together. I love that. I know. I just, I think that's the sweetest thing. Um, After the Olympics, she turned professional and appeared in water shows like Larry Crosby's Rhapsody and Swim Time uh, at Soldier Field in Chicago and in the swimmer Buster Crab's Aqua Parade, which toured internationally. And I have no idea what that looks like, what an aqua parade must look like, but I'm sure it's... um, fabulous because she toured internationally yeah can you imagine i i mean i feel like i don't know it's it's interesting to think about a a water show like that touring but yeah for sure people being people being excited about it (laughs) i have no idea but that was what she did she turned professional and that was um that was what her where her career took her and uh, later, the Draves opened a swimming and diving program in Southern California. Right, because her husband was a, a diving teacher. Yes. So they're yeah, like a swimming he, family. Their kids must have really good memories of learning to swim. Either that or they're really yeah. terrible because their parents were really intense about it. Yeah, I know. This next line says, they trained all four of their sons, David, Jeffrey, Dale, and Kim, to be accomplished divers. But no word on whether they stayed diving like yeah. if they continued to dive but um but they definitely learned with mom and dad <laughs> in the um family swimming pool yeah. <laughs> she was elected to the international swimming hall of fame in 1969 and in 2005 san francisco built a two acre park in her old neighborhood and named it in her honor in um, 2005 mm-hmm. All right. yep she passed away in 2010 due to complications from pancreatic cancer. Wow. Um, yeah. From from the New York Times article, I just wanted to end with this because I thought this was just a really neat way to remember her. Um, Draves always believed she was destined for diving success. In many languages, Victoria means victory. In Tagalog, a major language in the Philippines, the word Manalo means win. Oh, oh. That's so cool. So I know that's a, a short a short but sweet one, but that is Vicky Manalo Draves, Olympic gold medalist from the 1948 Games. Hot damn. I know. And I also looked up her picture. And again, not that this ever fucking oh. matters in but our podcast, but she was gorgeous. gorgeous. I know. Like stunning. I know. It's like almost upsetting how beautiful she is. Yeah. 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 There's one picture you may have you may see it there, but she like she almost looks like a pinup model. Yeah. Oh yeah. The way she's standing. Yeah. And she's got like that bathing suit on. Oh my god. And she's an athlete, so you know mm-hmm. she's very fit. Mm-hmm. She does look like yeah. a pinup model. <laughs> yep. She was she was beautiful and she was ambitious and she knew what she wanted to do and 
Even though as a kid they were draining the pool after she used it, she still said, fuck you, I'm going to do this. That and is she did. unbelievable to me. Like, I know. It's not unbelievable because I can believe it 100%, but it, that fucking sucks. It's, it's People really are terrible. gross. People are terrible. People are so terrible. And then they justify it to themselves and to these, you know, this fucking nine-year-old girl by saying, you're in the special uh, swimming school. It's fine. It's just because you're special. Like, fuck you. No. No. no, no. But, no. Uh, yeah. So that is that is our first Asian-American Pacific Islander history month pick. Episode 100. Episode 100. And, uh, yeah, that's that. Are you a good witch? Or a bad bitch? Let us know by becoming a patron on on our our Patreon. Patreon. (laughs) Oh, no. Patreon is a service that helps content creators like ourselves keep the ship going and make sure that we're able to cover all the costs that uh, come along with doing our podcast. And the more patrons we get, hopefully the more content we can start creating exclusively for patrons. Yes. So if you are interested in something like that, please become a patron so that we can start creating that content for you. Also, when you become a patron, you will get a shout out on our podcast and we will thank you personally on air. How exciting is that? Very exciting. Yeah, yeah. You can find us at patreon.com slash podcast. I do have a few on this day picks okay, is for it May for- 7th, but a lot of shit happened today. Ugh. Like tons of things I, I may not say all of them but i i did write down quite a few but uh 1429 the english siege of i assume orleans yes well done thank you uh is broken by joan of arc and the french army oh and we talked about i think last week when she was called yeah, I think we've had a couple with her. Where it was where like it's she like, was called, Arc, dreamed of God. Called to, to <laughs> help at the siege of Orleans. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so there it is. Mm-hmm. And I thought thought you would like this one. 1664, Louis the Fourteenth of France inaugurates the Palace of Versailles. I didn't get to go there. <laughs> we tried and tickets for the day were sold out. We didn't know we had to get them really far in advance or at least a few days in advance. I don't know. But it was we couldn't get in. So we flipped off our sight and left. Well, you know, there's always you you're fancy only what, bitch, um, Louis the 14th. You're only 30. <laughs> 31. 30. You're only 31. Yeah, you've got plenty of time okay. to go back. Um, speaking of. The Palace of Versailles, or sort of adjacent to the Palace of Versailles, is a mm. topic. Mm. Um, you're wrong about did an episode a couple of weeks ago about um, Marie Antoinette. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is very good. So All if right. anyone is curious about that, I have not listened to that one yet. Go check it out. That that episode is awesome. And I mean, all their episodes are great, but that one is. Well, they have like a particularly guest who's good. like an expert on that era, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they brought in a woman who um, researches, uh, like, royalty and monarchs for her own podcast. Oh. So, like, that's her specialty. Um, this one's interesting. 1789 is the 
first U.S. presidential inaugural ball for George Washington. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, the very first inaugural presidential ball is held in 1789 in New York City. Of course it was in New York City. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Uh... This is interesting. 1913, the British House of Commons rejects the women's uh, right to vote. Yep. Fun. Fun This one feels uh, relevant only because it's coming up. So mark your calendars, people. Uh, 1914, the U.S. Congress establishes Mother's Day. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's this weekend. That is May 10th. Oh, shit. FYI, people, get your moms a card or something, a present, or at least give her a call. Um, unless you're, this one's unless you don't have a good relationship with your mom or your mom's past or whatever, whatever. Right. Assume we mean if, the best. Yes, yeah. I mean, Deanna and I both don't have dads, so you know, Father's Day is a painful day, and if Mother's Day is a painful day for you, you are in you know good company. Good company. We uh, support you, and we're here for you. Um, 1915, this one's for you, RMS Lusitania is sunk by German submarines off the southern coast of Ireland. That shit is crazy. That ship took 18 minutes to sink. 18 minutes. Thousands of people on board. Yeah, today. Like, you know, say you you were like, this is for you, but like, you Mm -hmm. don't even know. I have legit watched, I don't even know, you probably know this, but I've watched like uh, 3D uh, recreations on YouTube of ships. Like they have one for Titanic. Titanic took like almost three hours to sink. And just for comparison, Titanic took almost three hours to sink. Lusitania took 18 minutes. Why is that? Because of the way it was torpedoed. Um, oh. They just hit like the exact right spot, and it fucking capsized. I oh. think. Um, Fucked up. Yeah. One thousand and one hundred. And it was a passenger ship. Ninety-eight. And yep. Then they knew yeah. it was a passenger ship. It was like a, a horrible. It was like one of those moments where, in war, where these acts against civilians happen, and it's like the protocol that had previously been established for things you never do during wartime changes. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Because obviously it's, it's no holds barred these days. Like we go and right. to the fucking Middle East and slaughter civilians left and right. <laughs> Oops. I know. Do do horrible, horrible things to them. Yeah. It's really bad. Yeah. No, it's true. Uh, let's see. Oh, speaking of horrible things. Sorry. But I got I was a little bit curious about this because I realized that I didn't actually know that much. Mm. Um, but in 1984... There is a $180 million out-of-court settlement reached in the Agent Orange lawsuit. Oh, yeah, that's depressing. <clears throat> and, yeah, so I did look it up a little bit because I, I, we all know what Agent Orange, we all know the word or the phrase, but Some I Some of us read really Apocalypse Now it. or watched it. Read watched Heart it? of Darkness. <laughs> Sorry. Heart of Darkness is what Apocalypse Now is based on. It all happened at the same time. We were in the same class. I hated that book. I didn't finish it. Um, But for anybody who doesn't know what Agent Orange is, Oh, yeah, back to the actual subject here. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry to, like, you know, take us down a notch. But, um, yeah, I I found a little bit of info just because I was curious. Um, But this thing from onthisday.com said, 
During the Vietnam War, the U.S. Air Force engaged in a program of herbicidal warfare known as Operation Ranch Hand, which I had never heard before. Um, For 10 years, the Air Force sprayed forests in South Vietnam, affecting some 5 million acres of forest, or some 20% of all the forests in South Vietnam. There There were several chemicals used, which I didn't know, but the most famous was Agent Orange. There were also Agents Green, Pink, Purple, Blue, and White. I did not know there were that many. Yeah. The idea behind using the chemical was to destroy foliage acting as a potential cover for the Viet Cong insurgents who used trails through the forest for supply lines and camps. The impacts on the Vietnamese people and ecosystem were devastating. It is estimated that the Vietnamese Red Cross, though these figures are disputed apparently by some, Um, that as many as 3 million Vietnamese people suffered illness due to the chemicals, and around 1 million people are disabled as a result of it. Mm -hmm. Many children were born with deformities as a result of prenatal exposure. Yep. So I guess, you know, you hear about a lot of different chemicals being used at that time. Um, Experiments on fucking soldiers and um things like this where it all just sort of blends together in in my mind and so i am you know i wanted a refresher and i had kind of entirely forgotten about it and i learned in a documentary that i watched uh relatively recently um about how those companies because they were obviously contracted by the government the ones who made the the chemicals Mm -hmm. Then when wartime was over, of course, it was like, well, what are we supposed to do now? They moved into pesticides for agriculture. So a lot of those same chemicals started being put on our fucking farmland. And that's why our soil, our topsoil has been like almost utterly destroyed in conventional farming. That is fucked up. Why would you... Why? Because because it's like, you know, pesticides to get rid of pests or whatever. But... What you, oh the soil God. has to be alive in order to have a sustainable future because there's like millions and billions of organisms that live in, in topsoil. And if you kill it, it's just dirt. Right. And you can't really grow anything in dirt. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That is bonkers. I did not know that. Yeah. I think wow. the, the documentary is called, I think, A Need Ugh. to Grow, The Need to Grow. 1997 science fiction film, The Fifth Element. Written and directed by Luke Besson, starring Bruce Willis and Mila Jovovich, for anyone who's never seen it. If very you haven't good. seen it, fix it. It's a very um, good movie. Ugh, it's so good. And so, yeah, it was released today in 1997. All right. And Lilo it Dallas was... Lilo Dallas Multipass. Yes! At the time, it was the most expensive European film ever made. Which is like, that's the most expensive European film ever made in 1997? It's the a very, Fifth very, very good movie, although it is in many feminist writings these days um, shown as like the perfect example of a sexy baby. Mm. Yeah. Who she's like innocent and like doesn't know anything about the world because she was literally basically just born. Yeah. What <laughs> but is she's in a called skimpy born little sexy yesterday? Outfit. Yeah. Yeah. 2012 paleoclimatological research claims. Oh, yeah. OK. I'm on board. Dinosaur flatulence may have warmed the earth. <laughs> Like cow methane emission? Yeah. <laughs> but because dinosaurs were so fucking huge. <laughs> they let out huge farts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a... Um, How do we uh, know they emitted methane, though? I guess because we know what reptiles farts are like. I don't know. 
and, I don't and know. birds. I don't know. But yeah. I think I don't that's know. why I like chickens so much. Because they're like because little, little dinosaurs. dinosaurs. <laughs> I love it. 2013, Delaware becomes the 11th U.S. state to legalize same-sex marriage. All right. And last one. 2019, Denver is the first U.S. city to decriminalize psilocybin magic mushrooms. Oh, yeah. I remembered when that happened. <laughs> Colorado, man. Uh, Colorado. Oh, shit. I missed one. I missed a big one. Uh, a really big one. Hannah. Okay, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. It'll be my last one, even though it's going back in time. 1945. Germany signed an unconditional surrender at the Allied headquarters in Rams, France, ending its role in World War II. Oh, yeah, that is a big one. Unconditional. They unconditional just, surrender. They're like, fine. Ending its role. Fine. We're done. Yep. Like, fucking finally. Yep. Please stop. Yep. We've been asking you to stop for a while. Yeah, like, this has gone on far too long. And that's on this day in history. It, I know it was May um, a bit of a, a roller coaster, but I'm glad that you got on it with me. I'm really glad I was on that journey with you, too. There's a lot of good ones in there. <laughs> yeah. There were a lot of battles and deaths that I ignored, but I thought the ones that I did find were, you know, pretty good. Yeah. Um, oh, I just want to point out if... Mm. People are unfamiliar with the work of Eric Larson. He did Devil in the White City. Yeah, I love that, that book. There's great, he's an amazing writer. If you like Devil in the White City, you will like pretty much everything he writes because he'll take history and make it fascinating. He did a really great book called Dead Wake. I just wanted to confirm that it was by him before plugging it. There's a book called Dead Wake, which is about the Lusitania. Right. It's really good. I love that Eric Larson writes simultaneously about like moments in history and murder in history yeah <laughs> it's like you know two events you wouldn't ever necessarily put together but he manages to make them yeah he has one relevant about, to each um, other uh the third reich as well i think it's called in the garden Ooh. of beasts mm, yeah i think that's uh that sounds familiar it's really good too i, I don't that this can just be my what i'm excited about is eric larson's books <laughs> I guess. Which it does Unless kind of tie into what, my, what I'm excited about. I, I found my Kindle. It was hidden under my bed and I found a charge <laughs> cord for it. So I, I have oh charge my on my Kindle and I'm really excited to delve into the to the trashy romance novels of yore. Oh, all right. Anyway, follow us on social media. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at GWBB podcast. Uh, email us at gwbbpodcast at gmail.com. You can become a patron on our patreon.com slash gwbbpodcast. Or if you just want to give us a one-time donation, you can buy us a coffee on our ko-fi, ko-fi slash gwbbpodcast. I think that about covers it. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, until next time, peace out, witches. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. for listening to Good Witches, Bad Bitches. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Good Witches, Bad Bitches is hosted by Deanna Greif. Me. You. And you. 
Hannah Ferguson. And we're produced by Benjamin Garst. Um, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Google Play. Google Play. Pretty much more. anywhere you listen to your podcasts, you can find us there. We're also on social media. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, GWBB Podcast. You can also email us at gwbbpodcast at gmail.com. We love to receive emails. If you have a story about a woman in your life that you want to hear on air, uh, shoot it over to us. We would love to read it. If you want to help keep us running, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. <laughs> Become a patron and help us, you know, pay for our hosting. Yeah, Patreon really helps content creators be able to continue to create their content. And it just kind of helps us break even on the costs of producing this podcast. And it would be really awesome if you wanted to help out. If you like it, you can be a part of it. Also, to help us out, you can rate, review, and subscribe. All of, the, all of those things are extremely helpful for us. They help other listeners find us. Yeah. Word of mouth, also good. Yeah. <laughs> our website is gwbbpodcast.com. You can find all of our episodes there as well as some other things bubbling out of our witchy cauldron. Good Witches, Bad Bitches is powered by Moon Bounce.